You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. Dear listeners to Season 2, Episode 3 of Federation Conversations, or FedCon for short. I'm your host, Mariah Beachboard, and my panelists, BJ Robinson and Mike Lunsford, still have not abandoned me. Thank you, fellas. Today, we're going to talk about the first three episodes of Strange New Worlds. Have you guys watched it? Yes. Yes, yes. Moving on. Some Star Trek news and whether 10 Ford or Quarks is the better bar. But first... I asked Captain Robinson and Admiral Lunsford to share who they say goodbye to each morning. <coughs> who they say goodbye to each morning before leaving to face the world. Captain Robinson has a collection of Earth-based plants and a custom-made Earth-style canine companion in his quarters. In his daily routine, he spends his first waking hour of every day meditating and tending to the earth specimens before leaving his quarters he shares a mantra with the specimens that he often repeats to himself throughout the day be good behave be kind and be well hey bj do you feed your dog i do well that's good (laughs) (laughs) didn't didn't include that in the goodbyes but okay (laughs) well it was a part of the 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 morning tending the tending and caring to all of my living things you know you're on your own dog figure it out plants get get a little bit of nutrients we all sing songs together and then i uh send them on their way they send me on my way i guess that is sweet i'm rethinking how i live very peaceful opening to your day like yeah try to try to start it calmly because chaos will always ensue on the uh Blessed USS Maestro. Yeah. Were you playing music? Uh, I I was. And I, then I and then I interrupted you by asking you about your dog. I apologize. Well, I was Play also your music. While I was talking. Just oh, okay. a, it's just another another you know. That's our song. Man. <laughs> This is the fanciest podcast ever. (laughs) I love it. Admiral Lunsford never leaves home without saying goodbye to his teenage son who's enrolled at the academy. To keep from embarrassing his son and giving away that his father is a high-ranking admiral, if anyone asks who the young Lunsford is talking to, he says, Ford's Pizzeria. One curious cadet wondered why Cadet Lunsford said, I love you to the pizzeria owner. And he said, I just really love their Hawaiian pizza. That's adorable, Mike. Thank you. It's it's one of those things that uh, um, the last thing you want to do is embarrass your kid in front of, you know, because they, they want to be cool. And, you know, it's not cool for your parents to, well, you know what? I take that back. In my academy days, that sort of thing wasn't cool. However, in his academy days, and God bless the younger generation, that sort of thing has become okay. And it's actually, I had a conversation with a friend of ours who's still back on earth, you know, um, about them having a relationship with their 
father where their father would take them to places and and give and say I love you and give them hugs and kisses in front of their adult friends and how odd that is and I agreed it is odd in the greatest way possible it's fantastic because so many so many of us grew up with parents off on away miss missions leaving us to be latchkey children at home um while they were gallivanting around the cosmos um and that sort of affection wasn't shown. And it's beautiful that it is now. And it's beautiful that people have that sort of um, relationship with their parents when my absentee uh, captain uh, captain parents were never around. So children so of the I, stars don't deserve love too. They do. <laughs> I was a latchkey kid, but fortunately when my parents were home, they, they were very affectionate. Except I, when we beat them at cards. And then they were not so affectionate. <laughs> I um pull, pulling back the Star Trek curtain for a second. Um, mine were mine were odd in the sense that like it was affectionate on their terms and struggling as we've discussed offline, struggling with mental health and them not understanding or helping in any way, shape, or form, or basically doing the boomer thing of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and figure it out. You just need to focus more. Um, when you desperately needed medication and um, therapy um, it was not the best way to handle things. And it's made for difficult conversations as adults. And yeah, especially when most of your childhood was you raising yourself. And then all of a sudden, when you're 15, your mom decides that she's going to stop working full time and work part time because she wants to spend more time with you. No, no, lady, it's too late. When I was eight <laughs> years old, you told me that I could stay home by myself. And I learned how to cook and I learned how to clean and I learned how to do everything. And I really enjoy having my own solitude. I like being able to turn the radio up and listen to music. Now you're here. You're ruining all of that. Plus I'm a teenager and I don't want to be around you. So it's, it was a very strange time growing up, but the one thing I've made, and I'm sorry for rambling as I tend to do here. Um, the one thing I promised myself is if, uh, if I ever became a father, I was never going to do that to my kids. And that's something I remember whenever interacting with Jax. Um, I always tell him how, how much I love him. I always make sure that um, weird thing that like some people put a stigma around like men giving each other a kiss, like, and not like in a passionate way, just in a loving way. Like I kiss that kid on his head every single day before I leave work. And like, that an was, American thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, cause yeah. I also remember I had a, um, I had a, uh, and an uncle, um, a great uncle who every time hug and a kiss, like just there's nothing wrong with men being affectionate to each other in a platonic way or in a fatherly way. And all of these things that didn't happen for me as a kid, I make sure that I have happened to my kids. And um, that's that's the way to build the next generation. And it's something that like I think you caught on to Mariah and you put in my bio as he's raising the next generation of nerds like you inadvertently did something that made me feel like, oh, I'm doing something right. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. As I ramble, sorry, geez, hey, therapy session. Admiral, <laughs> stop apologizing. There's no apologizing from the Admiral in this space. Um, but I mean, a thousand percent to everything you're saying. I, when I, I saw my dad, what was it, this past weekend, every time, oh. hug and a kiss, every time still. That's just, that, that, there's, that's what it is. There's nothing wrong yeah. with actually caring and connecting <laughs> with people in, and yeah, right? in, in your family. Yeah. yeah it's it's the product of growing up the child of two um baby boomers but also spending five years in the military where you're taught to shut your emotions off mm -hmm. and um i don't know if any of you have dealt with anybody else who was military who then got out 
and then they kind of let their emotions come back on. And sometimes it's really hard to regulate because you went so long without doing it. And then all of a sudden here it comes and it's like tidal wave. And it's, it's trying to like regulate that back down into normal people mode is sometimes difficult. So. Yeah. Both of my parents um, were army. They that's where they, they met and got married while they were both stationed in Germany even. Um, and, and so they, they definitely had, to find their own ways post yep. military as as parents. Um, I was always the I was, you know, I was that kid in the family who loved the idea of love. Like I I when I was a kid, I remember one of my favorite characters was the buddy love character from the Nutty Professor, um, from the Eddie Murphy version, who was yeah. the one that was just obsessed with love and trying to like be a lover. Um, buddy love. So I was always like, I was always the unnecessarily like happy, overly affectionate one to all of my yeah. siblings, to everyone around yeah. me. Um, but that always made me, I think, just very open and vulnerable to being loving and to just being like just outward pouring with with love and trying to generate good connection and companionship with people. Um, sometimes that's so fault, funny, I'm sure. But you know, that's yeah. so funny. Like I'm not same because I was so starved for it. And I didn't understand it until I was much older that why I felt the way I did and why I wanted the things that I did. But it was the same thing is like, I'm very emotional, like, very, like wear it on my sleeve kind of thing. And that's all you wanted. You just wanted affection. You wanted love. You wanted to share that with people. And like, when you don't know how to convey that, but that's how you're feeling because it was something you were missing. You just come off as a weirdo. And like, oh, totally, totally. That's like, why let's I, be clear. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't smooth yeah. like Buddy nah, Love. I'm no, pretty sure neither. people thought like <laughs> he's 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 going to be special in some way or shape yeah. when he gets older. And it's like it's kind of worked out yeah. well enough. But like, yeah. I mean, I'd be a kid on Valentine's Day in middle school, mind you, walking around with a bag of just like a hundred heart balloons, just blowing up heart balloons to hand out. To, you need yeah. a heart balloon and you need a heart. Like it was, it was just absurd. And people yeah. would ask like, well, why are you doing it? I was like, just because <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was, I was hopeless in, in that sense, yeah. but, but definitely was like, we're going to figure it out. You know, yeah. now I'm always just like, it's a terrible world with terrible people, burn it down. <laughs> Where are the aliens? Um, I mean, I still have a lot of love in my heart, but you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. tempered. <laughs> Yeah, no. You're not I, walking around San Diego with heart balloons, handing them out to everyone. I am not. I am not. <laughs> it just makes it makes so much sense why the three of us became theater kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys ready? Because uh, this Who, is very. Do you say goodbye to? <laughs> oh yeah. As for myself. Professor Beachboard, I'm not so far along in my personal growth journey where someone will willingly choose to live with me. I have a de-venomized bunnicorn whom I feed and pat on the head before turning to go. Then, just before I exit, I stare at the bedazzled mirror to the left of the door. I stare and glower at myself, preparing to teach ungrateful future captains, and I proclaim one word. Slay. Then I nod to myself and charge the day. The fact that you do it to a bedazzled mirror is <laughs> <laughs> fabulous. Yes, truly. That is, I mean, that's like Lisa Frank magic slay professor. Oh my slay. God. Oh my God. Lisa Frank. 
I, I imagined it's some kind of Lisa Frank coloring with the bedazzling. It just I could just I could see her teaching lessons on warp core mechanics in a Lisa Frank inspired uniform, and like you know me stopping by for an inspection and being like, "What, Professor Beachboard? What what is this?" And you're like, "It's my Lisa Frank alternate uniform." And I'm like, "All right, <laughs> picked it up at DS9." <laughs> <laughs> By the way, by the way, Dave and I have been watching Deep Space Nine. We skipped the four first four first three seasons. Wow. We're now in the final season and nice. it's awesome. We we skipped the ones that look stupid. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> but but he got really excited about we just watched Bada Bing Bada Bang. And he loved it. It's um, it's a Hollow Sweet episode okay. with Vic Fontaine. They have to save anyway. Oh, it was Jesus. so yeah. much fun, and just the fact that I can share that with my partner and he gets excited. It's like, yeah. man, I I feel sad for for all of you who don't have a partner who enjoys it. <laughs> Sit with us for a while. Get your community here because because it's awesome when you can share it with people. Sean, I started recently. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, Sean and I recently watched um, the Lower Decks season three peanut hamper episode, and he was dying. And I was oh, like, with oh, the eagles! I, think I might finally have him into this. Yeah, yeah, with with the birds and all that. I Being haven't seen it. it. Oh my god! You have oh, to see it's, it. it's so good. <laughs> peanut hamper. It's a peanut hamper special, and it's incredible. Oh, it's fantastic. I love peanut hamper. It's so <laughs> How good. Did I and... miss and you will love peanut hamper even more after this episode <laughs> i'm yeah. so excited maybe dave will like it i started a um a late night um comfort watch of uh voyager because i hadn't watched all of the series i picked it up i did very similar to what you guys are doing with ds9 like the last time i did a rewatch i started like like season three or season four when the borg started showing up i was like all right this is when it gets good but like I started it from the first episode and I've been watching it through. And there's surprisingly, there's a couple episodes already. I'm, I think I'm like maybe six or seven episodes into the first season. There's a couple that really jump out where I'm like, okay, this is some really good commentary, the really good Star Trek commentary. Um, there's one where they are exploring a planet that has like a ring system. And of course the rings are just a series of like asteroids and stuff like that. And they beam down to one of them because they're, they're seeing life signs. They go down there and it's essentially like a mausoleum. It's just I dead. know that episode. I yes. know it. It's so good. Yes. And it's, yeah, it is a really, really, really good episode because like what happens is, is these bodies just show up on this asteroid. And in the process, there are, um, Chakotay is like, yo, we're disturbing something that's we shouldn't be disturbing. Let's get the hell out of here. And in the process to beam out, it somehow gets crossed with the beaming in of those bodies. And Harry Kim goes back to that planet and they think that he came from the afterlife. And there's this whole conversation about, and it's, I, it was a really, really good episode about spirituality, about belief, about religion, like, and it didn't, like, do, sometimes Star Trek gets heavy-handed with their messages, where it's like, you need to believe this way, mash on the top of the head with your fist, but they didn't do that in this episode, and they were, it was very beautiful, in a way, the way that they explained everything, and the way that they didn't, like, really beat you over the head with it. Voyager's got some gems. I I, I need yes. to go back and give that one another rewatch from the get go. It's been a number of years yeah. since I've done the whole series through, but they it that yeah the series has some really great ones that that 
just the the circumstances and the stakes are, are very profound and then they're still just left yeah. kind of open-ended i mean it was very yeah. much this like well we know we're not you know in the midst of normal federation time so things don't yeah. have to wrap up normally and that's yeah. one of the beauties with both ds9 and voyager that it was like all right let's let's play into the conflict and to the resolutions that are not what uh the audience would be most comfortable with i will say this um in the first episode it's a two-parter um, there are a couple of lines that did not age well, um, specifically from Tom Paris when he's talking to Chakotay because they don't like each other because Paris was uh, a Maquis and then got arrested. It's a whole thing. And he thought he was a betrayer. And they're trying to escape the uh, the array that the caretaker was on. And at one point, this thing falls and is kind of pinning Chakotay. And Paris looks at him and he says, hey, aren't you an Indian or something? Can't you turn into an eagle? And I'm like, oh, my God. Like... <laughs> If they were yeah. trying to write Paris to be an asshole, they did a good job then. They they did. And he has a lot of character growth in the series in, in general. Yeah. So yeah. they do that deliberately. Like him and Bashir were, you know, they were they were meant to to come off as like just real jerks in their their first few seasons so that there yeah. could be somewhere to, to move them. Let's talk about Strange New Worlds before we yes. forget to. So yes. we're recording on July 4th, and three episodes have come out, and I have feelings. Um, but I want to hear y'all's feelings first. BJ. So far for me, so good. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying where things are going. I'm I'll admit I'm someone who's like dying, dying, dying for the lower decks crossover because I'm just like a lower deck fanatic. So I I don't know if that's a part of what's helping me to just be like, I'm loving it all, and I'm just gonna be like beaming till I get there. I thought uh, I thought the stakes of, uh, you know, a broken circle, the first episode were fantastic. Um, I loved, I loved everything about it. I loved how it just like fired things off in seven directions at once. Carol Kane is, a, a just a, a glorious legend. And I'm so stoked that she's a part of the cast and that they're letting her create this whole new piece of, of just the verse to everything with the Lanthanites. The trial episode, I was just like crying the whole time. Um, I thought it was beautiful. I love Rebecca Romaine, and I'm so happy she's a part of this series. And and um, I thought they just crushed it. I thought everything about that episode crushed it. I want the lawyer's dress as well. Um, and then tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow was was definitely different for me. I actually enjoyed it. I really enjoyed another variant of a Kirk. Um, I really like that that was done. For me, I really like that that was done. Something about that whole episode felt a little more, almost like cinematic to me, if that makes sense. Um, and I think I liked that uh, as well. I had plenty of like plot hole questions with it, but I also, I guess, found myself feeling like, Maybe I don't mind as much because I guess I wanted something that could be a bit melodramatic, something that almost starts to feel like it's a stupid romantic comedy and then still had some real stakes and then still just had some like <laughs> screwed up feelings in the end. So by the time it was done, I was like, you know what? I really like how this played out. Um, although I'll admit, I don't think it was like, to me, it might be one of the weaker episodes of both seasons combined thus far of what's aired but i still really enjoyed it so overall i'm still uh happy with with their where things are going uh with this season mike 
Yeah, I'm I'm with BJ. There's a couple things that I vary uh, from him on. Um, the first episode I thought was cool. I love the way, like, that there were stakes. Like, they had to stop a potential false flag that would reignite the Klingon Federation war. Um, it was weird that, like, apparently there's just, like, a drug they can take that makes them badasses. Like, that was kind of strange, but whatever. Cool. Okay. Um, it was, it was interesting. Um, I love watching Spock drink blood wine with Klingons. That was dope. I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm really enjoying Ethan Peck as Spock. Um, a lot of people have issue with it, but most of those people are dumb. So who cares? Um, the second episode, God, I love courtroom Star Trek. There's so many good courtroom Star Trek episodes. And this was one of them. Um, it reminded me very much of a measure of a man. The one where they put data on trial to, is he human? Is he property? Um, this was great. And like the subtext with the second episode with the trial was just, that was so great. Like it was fantastic. Like it was one of those things where you knew what they were talking about, but they didn't have to come out and say what they were talking about. You're like, ah, okay. You're okay. Got it. Got it. Fitting that I'm wearing a pride shirt as I talk about this episode, but yeah, like I, it was, the the subtext was great. I loved the way it was handled. God, I loved that lawyer, the lawyer who defended Una. She was great. She was absolutely fantastic. She just tore the Federation's bylaws to pieces. And like it was, it was beautiful. Um, where I vary with with BJ is I actually thought tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is one of the best new track episodes I've seen since they started doing Discovery and um, uh, Strange New Worlds and all the new stuff. And, and here's why. Um, fanboys are beholden to canon in a way that is obnoxious. And at the end of this episode, they gave them the biggest middle finger, but it was the biggest middle finger that made so much sense. And when it's like, well, how come everything's different? In Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Khan said that they were put into the Botany Bay and shot into space in the year 1996. How come that didn't happen? How come he looks different? And they're like, well, because the Romulans hate the Federation so much that they go back in time, they're trying to fuck with the timeline. And I'm like, that's brilliant. I love it. Because it's like one solution that fixes everything. And you can never be like, well, I don't understand what Romulans. That's why. Shut up. Like... Romulans ruined it like it's 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 wonderful and horrible all at the same time which is perfect Star Trek um what I loved about that episode was that we got to see Kirk being Kirk and like I've been so excited to see this actor get to really be him and he was and he's funny and charming but super intelligent and he's doing things that we've known about the character that they kind of shy away from for a while you got to see how fucking smart this dude is and like that's something that they in the original series, they described Kirk when he was at the Academy as a walking stack of books that like he was constantly studying. And they did that in this episode. But what nailed it for me was Laon the whole time is just like, don't fall in love. Don't fall in love. Don't fall in love. Ooh, look at him. He's so handsome. Oh, no, stop it. No, don't fall in love. And then she falls in love and then he gets fragged. And it was so sad. But the way they handled that when she came back to the Enterprise and back to her timeline and the temporal police are just like, Lon, you can't talk about this to anybody. And she caught, God, it makes, seriously, it's making me emotional just talking about it. Like she, she fell in love with him so hard that she had to talk to the person who's not even him, that just looks like him. And she's just like, hey, so 
what you doing? You, you like, do you like French fries? Cause I like French fries. And like, it was so awkward and weird. And then when she, when the transmission cuts out and she just loses it, like that's the first time that they've done a time travel alternate reality episode where there was an, um, there were emotional stakes. We've had stakes with the timeline and all sorts of other shit, you know, like this is the first one where you get to see how badly this crushed somebody and not just like Picard, like straightening his collar and being like, well, we stopped the bulk again. <laughs> like, no, like this had a punch to it that none of these other episodes have had. And like, it was, it was great. And Christina Chong, the actress who plays uh, Lon just absolutely killed it in this episode. I think, I think the emotional stakes have meant to be there in other time travel episodes. It's just that Lon ugly cries better than anyone I've ever seen. That was like the best ugly crying without snot that I've ever seen in my entire life, which I appreciated it. Um, Okay, so loved the first episode. I thought it was exciting. I I wasn't sure that I enjoyed the born um, identity kind of fighting thing. That kind of took me out of it a bit because it was a bit much. But uh, um, I thought it was just awesome to be on another planet to see Carol Kane, um, whose favorite movie, my my favorite movie of hers is Scrooge, where she's like beating Bill Murray with a toaster. Frank, it's a toaster, and she just whacks the shit out of him. So I see that all the time. It makes her even funnier. Um, I okay, look, I I texted y'all after I watched the courtroom episode, and I probably would have loved it if I had not, for some reason, assumed that episode two was going to have the crossover with Lower Decks, and I was so pissed that I disappointed myself with my misinformation that at the end I just got up like turn off the TV through the remote was I was done with it um but it was it was really well written it was well executed um again the lawyer stole the show also Mrs. McMurray from uh Letter Kenny is Star uh, Starfleet's lawyer which I didn't see until I saw a post about it and I was like oh shit she looks completely different with dark hair, but now I can't unsee it. So thank you, Star Trek shitposting, for ruining that for me. And I will always see her kissing on what's his face um, whenever I see her on the screen and she's trying to be serious. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And then the last episode, I uh, it was a fun ride. I think you're right. It was it was somewhat cinematic um, and I do have a hard time with Lon's halting speech when she's trying to be uh, a socially graceful person and she's just inept at doing that. Um, but Kirk was fun to watch. It was fun to watch them in Canada. I mean, it was, as South Park would say, the bacony smell of Canada was all over it. Um, no, that was, that's not South Park. That is Mystery Science Theater 3000. I apologize. The bacony stench of Canada is written all over this. Um, I love Canada. <laughs> um, but I am really tired of waiting for Pike to command that ship somewhere and get the show on the road. That's that's what I what I'm feeling inside my soul. So if we could get the show on the road, but I will say, by the way, I was doing some homework that um that third episode made a correction, right? And according to Goldsmith, he says, and this is on trekmovie.com 
He says, this is a correction because otherwise it's silly or Star Trek ceases to be in our universe. By the way, this happened in season one. So this is not a season two issue. It's a plot issue or a pilot issue. We want Star Trek to be an aspirational future. We want to be able to dream our way into the Federation as Starfleet. I think that is the fun of it in part. And so in order to keep Star Trek in our timeline we continue to push dates forward at a certain point we won't be able to but obviously if you start saying that the eugenics wars were in the 90s you've kind of you're kind of fucked for aspirational in terms of the real world that's what he said so i dig it i dig it let's and i think it will lose um a huge impact to our society if it stops being an aspirational future so i think it was brilliant that they did that and i'm grateful for it but uh yeah, let's get back into space, please. That's a fair point. That's a really fair point because I hadn't thought about that at all. That like, hey, when are we actually going to do some shit on the Enterprise? <laughs> like with Pike because he wasn't on the first episode because he was too busy going to that planet, whatever that planet is called, where they're from, the Iridians or, yeah. Um, yeah, and like we haven't really gotten to see a lot of him. We haven't gotten to really see him be Space Daddy yet. And like, we need we need that. And um, I need that. I need that. Yeah. Like, I, you just, yeah, you and me both, sister. Jesus. <laughs> um, the Mrs. McMurray shit like that, that kills me because I've been watching, I've been watching um, Letterkenny since it first came out. And like, every time I see her, I just keep waiting for her to, oh, that's right. We curse on the show. I was going to censor myself. Um, I keep waiting for her to be like, well, somebody give me a cocksucking gin and tonic. Like it, it makes me laugh so hard seeing her, but she's that's how good an actress she is to go from the Mrs. McMurray role, like the drunken, like freewheeling, free loving to this very like, I'm sweet and nice, but I'm also a Starfleet lawyer. So I'm going to kiss you, Christopher Pike, and then I'm going to destroy your soul. Like it's she's doing a really, really excellent job with that. Just got to give the props to to all of these guest uh, performers, Melanie Squirfano. Um, who's our yep. Mrs. McMurray, um, to Yatide Badaki, who is a Nira, um, number one's lawyer. Um, ah, she's so good. Wesley, who is our uh, our Kirk, uh, who's come into this season. Um, he has that swagger that Kirk should have. He that, was on like, um, Vampire Diaries. Did you ever watch that show? No, I never watched that show. He, he was one of the leads in that show. And just, again, like Paul Wesley's just cool. He's one of those people that's just really good yep. at playing cool and intelligent. Yep. And he's he's yeah. There's something there was something about Shatner that Shatner did early on with Kirk where he's got like almost like this like cowboy John Wayne-esque swagger walk that he has. And Paul Wesley has got that somehow. Like it's mm -hmm. and like if you watch the behind the scenes, because I follow Christina Chong on on uh TikTok because I'm a nerd. And like the behind the scenes, she's like, I couldn't stop laughing when I was around Paul Wesley because apparently he's so charming and charismatic and funny. She was just like, it was a blast to film an entire episode with him. I can't wait to see him as Captain Kirk. I'm so excited. Like, I, I am really hoping to see more from him. Um, I just, I'm a little disappointed that George Kirk, his brother, is not just him with a mustache like it was in the original series. Because that was one of my favorite things. But George Kirk was just William Shatner with some spray tan and a mustache. Yeah, but we're trying to do better. I know we're trying to do better, but Hopefully I just... Hopefully has some class. Yeah. I, I really, I really hope at some point there's a bit where Kirk, uh, Kirk has to pretend to be his brother, so he just puts on a fake mustache. 
Like, just as a nod to that. Kirk's in one universe. So we almost had Mm, Paul Wesley still having to play two Paul Wesleys. So, man, there you go. It may happen by the time it's all. Little James T. Kirk sandwich. Yeah, that's what she was. (laughs) (laughs) Who Um, played Sarah? Who played Sarah, the the Romulan? She was really good. She was good. Yeah. Adelaide Kane is her name. She was really good as well. Yeah. Um, Australian actress. Isn't Um, um, Nurse Chapel Australian too? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, what's her name? Um, the actress I can't remember her name now. Um, her last name is Bush. I can't remember her first name. Um, um, Jess. Thank you, Jess, Jess Bush. Bush. She has caught a lot of flack in our uh, our beloved, as we've discussed, the shit posting group on Facebook. Um, because oh, she doesn't look the part. Like, first off, who cares? Secondly, like I love that they're taking these things that happened in the original series and, and expanding on them because Chapel like in the original series had a thing for Spock. Okay. Like it's, it, this is not like made up. This is not contrived. Yeah. No, she had a, a quote that I said a few weeks ago, Mariah, that you made you laugh. She had definitely has the steam and undies for Spock. And like, I thought we weren't bringing that back. Oh, I, I thought we got that out of our system. I thought BJ, BJ co-signed. Okay. So it's two to one on this one. Uh, <laughs> I might've co-signed that. <laughs> the undercarriage. Yes. yes. The there's vapors. A, there's a there's a there's a coolant leak in the uh, undercarriage of the Enterprise. Oh, that's yeah. worse. <laughs> all right. Hey, by the way, we can blame now because of Goldsman. We can blame all of those variances in appearance on the Romulans. They've been yeah. messing with the beauty industry. Hair colors oh, yeah. different. It's all the Romulans trying I to just, ruin that's everything. Fine. That- that's I think it would just be funny if just like anytime something bad in Star Trek happens, it's just fucking Romulans. Instead like, of fucking solids. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> see, there we go. Now we have another thing that we can do. That's outstanding. And Goldsman used the F word, so it's okay now. He he co-signed that. But yeah, the the whole thing with Chapel and Spock, that was something that happened in the original series. Like when he was all like sexed up and was trying to get back to Vulcan uh, to have Ponfar. She made him like a special bowl of, of Vulcan soup. The, I can't remember what the soup is called, but Kirk was like, yeah, I was in a prison camp and uh, I learned how to make this soup in the toilet, which was hilarious. Um, that was funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, make soup? That and then the second episode when when the two Vulcans are sitting there staring at each other and doing nothing. And the doctor was just like, ooh, something's going on. <laughs> Snap. Yeah. You walked, was I'm like, sorry oh, you yeah. had witnessed that outburst. <laughs> Such an outburst, Spock. Yeah, that's so good. You are seething. I can see it. You are a Starfleet <laughs> officer. Get your shit together, Spock. Uh, Strange New Worlds is appointment TV for me. Like it, it, it's clear time to watch this show, and that's exactly what I was hoping for. There, there are so many other shows that are streaming that like come out once a week, and I'm just like, eh, I'll watch it whenever. Who cares? But like, I make a point of like, ooh, new episode of Star Trek came out. Let me go watch it. Like that's that's what's exciting about this and that it's not just because i had my issues with disco at various points where i would like all right i'll catch like two episodes in a week at some point strange new worlds doesn't feel like that um i feel like a lot of the mistakes that they made with disco they're ironing out as they move forward with strange new worlds um which is why i think they do the, the, the they do the series the way they do instead of like the let's tell one big story over 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. It's like individual stories that do tie together at various points. I'm not saying one is better than the other. Um, I just think that like some of the missteps that they did in storytelling, they're correcting with Strange New Worlds. And I'm I'm 
wondering if they're going to do that with the other stuff too because like there's discussion that we might be getting a series called star trek legacy which will be the enterprise g in space doing enterprisey things which would be nice because we're not getting that in strange new worlds right now i'm not bitter or anything (laughs) no no as you sip your tea (laughs) (laughs) all right so the three of us had a debate going on facebook messenger because we still use that which one of you asked which one we would want Mike. to go to? Mike, Mike, Mike asked, you asked uh, yeah. um, if we would rather go to hang out with Guinan or Quark. And you said 10 forward Guinan, right? Like, yeah, are we talking and, the well, Enterprise I guess, or the bar in Picard? Because, I was going to say, is the, is, are we talking about the individuals or are we talking about the locations? Let's, yeah, because let's make the it thing. the locations. I was, I was yeah. trying to go to sleep last night and I'm like, wait a second. In Picard, yeah. there was an actual bar, which looked way more exciting than 10 mm-hmm. Forward on, on the Enterprise. It did, yeah. Um, I went with I went with 10 Forward, and the reason why was 10 Forward is comfort to me. And like the idea of just hearing the white noise of the Enterprise cruising at warp, looking out the window, seeing the the space fly by you having a drink in a quiet place and Guinan just coming by and hanging out and giving you some really dope advice and making you do some self-reflection you weren't expecting to do. That sounds great. I love the idea of that. Um, I also think that her bar on earth seems really cool too, but like, I don't, I just want to go somewhere and have a quiet drink. Like it, it, it it's, Maybe in my twenties, you know, when I was Lieutenant Lunsford, um, I'm, I'm at, uh, you know, I'm at Quark's, you know, like throwing down, but, um, yeah, 10 forward, there's just something comforting about that. Now that place gets wild too at times, but like for the most part, I, I like the idea of just hanging out with like, you know, somebody else who's on the same duty roster as me, who we've become friends, having a drink, staring out at the stars, talking about like, hey, what's it going to be like when we we become captains? Like that's the way that I envision it. I'm a bigger fan of having what we're doing right now, like conversations like this in a small group, as opposed to big, large, loud settings, because it's just like, I feel like any intimacy is lost on that. Um, They're fun. It's great. You know, when, when Quark sends out um, Nog dressed as um, a Mugatu, uh, because it's your birthday and he has, you know, like laser shooting out of his hands and a birthday cake for you. That's cool. But it's also like sensory overload, you know? So with that understanding go for any opportunity to be on the Enterprise. If it was between Guinan's on Earth and Quark's, I mean, then again, my easy answer is I want to be out of this world, so I'm going to Quark's. Lord knows I probably would still end up just like sitting very quietly in a corner and just like watching everyone do everything um, because (laughs) I go to sleep at 8.30. Um, But but if it were the right timing and let's say I've got like, you know, enough of my, my USS Maestro crew there, we might just turn it into like a sad high school musical karaoke show tune takeover um which then then it's bomb and you know it's wonderful um but no i mean if i could actually like be with guinan on the enterprise hands down hands down especially if i can like cue myself there and just like hop in in some absurd outfit for a hot minute have my drink say a few weird things and poof away like see if you're cueing yourself there she's not gonna have any of it i don't know if she hates the cue (laughs) yeah that's true which is fine. I won't try to actually start anything because I want to be able to return and, you know, <laughs> you want to be invited back with, with the yeah. wrath of Guinan. <laughs> I will say this. Um, I am notorious for having an extrovert friend. Um, and I would say of the three of us, I don't even know who would be the biggest extrovert. 
is it BJ or is it Mariah? I'm saying Mariah because Mariah was all about quarks. I'm the type of person who would be like, I really don't want to go there. And you would be like, I don't care. You're going because I said so. And you're going to have a wonderful time. And I would be like, fine, I'll go. And then I would go and I would have a wonderful time because like, that's, that's just how I envision it. And it would be a blast. And I would be like, can you believe that we got to see Miles O'Brien punch out a Cardassian that was on the, like, that was so cool. Like, did you guys expect to see that? No. Like, yeah. See, that's why I would choose Quarks just to be entertained yeah. by all of the things, not necessarily mm-hmm. to partake in it. Like, yeah. I don't know that I would want to be in a, a bar. No, I wouldn't want to be in a bar fight, of course, but to watch it from the upper, you know, platform seating, you know, <laughs> sipping my whatever and just, you know, betting with Quark on who's going to survive the bar fight. Like that sounds amazing. amazing. <laughs> and then all the different people coming in and out. That sounds so exciting. Now I will say in real life, I, I am less likely to motivate myself to put on jeans that are too tight and like, you know, decent shoes and maybe put on make like that mm-hmm. seems like work. But if I had all the energy in the world and I was just, you know, wearing a, a Starfleet uniform and didn't have to pick out an outfit, I would totally sit at Quark's totally and watch all of the antics. <laughs> I want everyone to entertain me. That's a little I, egotistical. That came out way more egotistical than I thought I was. Just sitting back like a Roman, like a Roman emperor. Yes. Make yes. me laugh. Dance for me. Yes. Um, I, I may have during our Facebook Messenger conversation described Quarks as a Chuck E. Cheese at an airport. <laughs> yeah, because you were like just valid. Yeah. Yeah, because we were talking about how rambunctious it would be, just like yeah. a Chuck E. Cheese. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's on a space station. You mean like an airport? And I'm like, well, when you say Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> at an airport, I can see how that would sound really miserable. But but uh, yeah. but still, I, I stand by Quark. No, it would it would be fun, and it's it's just like anything else. It's 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 who you're surrounded with. It's like that's what makes it that's what makes it the most fun. So if I'm with the two of you, I think we're having a blast at Quarks. Like if I'm if I'm there by myself being all grizzled, angry, grumpy Admiral Lunsford, then no, I'm just gonna be irritated when anybody talks to me because you know that's admirals. Admirals are never happy ever. <laughs> yeah. So now the question yeah, I... is if there's like a cocktail competition between Quark and Guinan. Oh shit. Who's the better who's the better drink slinger? Oh my god. See, I think I think it's going to be Quark and here's why. Like I think Guinan has standards. So she probably has a select bar, like a select sampling of of quality stuff. Quark will throw together anything and experiment oh, yeah. in all the ways if he's going to get some latinum. So I still think Quark's is better. Quark's Quark is the mad scientist. Yes, he would you you make a drink out of this and he would do it and it would be fizzy and it would be amazing. And you're like, I don't even know what this is, but this looks awesome. Whereas Guinan would have the top shelf shit. Like if you were looking to have a glass of brandy bottled in 1874, she's going to have that and she'll put it in the right glass. You'd be like, you need to pour it in this glass. You need to drink it like this. Cause she's been alive for like 8 million years. So she would know all of that stuff. Whereas Quark is just like all about the showmanship. Yeah. And then there's free versus paying latinum. Like mm-hmm. Guinan, you know, if it's on the ship, it's already bought and paid for. Quark yeah. is going to make you pay extra for the fizzy drink. But I will tell you, the other reason I don't, 10 Ford is not um, appealing to me is because it looks like a break room, like a workplace mm-hmm. break room to me. Oh, I mean, shit. not that not yeah. that my workplace break room has a bar. I'm just saying that's what it is. 
I mean, it does have carpet, as Picard pointed out. You know, like I do miss the carpet. <laughs> I get it, though. I get it. I get it. Because then here's the X factor in all of this. Okay, um, you could always just go to like like Scotty did in that episode of Next Generation when they brought him back from uh, the transporter buffer. You could just take a bottle of Sarian brandy into the holodeck and dream up whatever bar you want. Thanks. He got drunk on the bridge of the Enterprise, kind of like what BJ's doing right now, except you're not drinking. Um, <laughs> we don't know that. Yeah, I can't confirm or deny, but you I don't want to assume that he is. I don't know what was in it, but I lost it. <laughs> you, know, you had a drink and you didn't know what was in it. <laughs> hey, it's early on the West Coast. Give him a break. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. or you, Well, at Quark's, you could go and have a drink at, at Vic's in that hollow suite with a sentient hollow suite person. You could also have a drink with Moriarty on the Enterprise. And him probably try to kill you. No, see, he's like, I, I'm imagining he's already in hologram jail, like on that drive. They did put they did put him on that bot that like that that external hard drive. They were just yes. like, we're gonna set this over here. Like, yep. How about but just I, a a drink over at Chateau Picard? No. Oh God, no, because that, that wine's supposed to be terrible. Yeah, remember <laughs> what did what did Worf say about it? It was very it was very. Uh, very sour. <laughs> <laughs> Your taste is pedestrian at best. <laughs> I just lo I love that Chateau Picard wine probably sucks, but Picard is such an egomaniac that he will not accept that. And he's just he like, no, care. you suck. Therefore. <laughs> it's the Smirnoff vodka of wines. Uh, oh my God. Uh... It's the Boone's farm of the 24th century. <laughs> oh, the Boone's farm. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh, do you, any, any of you guys watch Shit's Creek? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Herb, Herb Erlinger's fruit wines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moira Rose. <laughs> oh my God. That episode where she's drunk and she's trying to read the commercial is like one of my favorite episodes. Brilliant. Oh my God. Could you imagine the Rose family? as members of the crew of the enterprise can you just imagine that like johnny rose is the captain like david is the first officer like just and moira is the she would obviously be counselor troy um but just all of them just like trying to counselor run the starship and just, and just bickering with each other like i feel like they'd have their own like california class style ship like they'd have a ship yeah. that's a lot like the cerritos but yeah. obviously like yeah more dysfunctional <laughs> yeah they would lose every battle <laughs> oh, piss man. off every alien race yeah <laughs> that would be a very fun mirror verse to watch but i it wouldn't really want to would. live in it no that, the episode when david's starting the apothecary and he's talking about tax write-offs and johnny is just like losing his mind he's like oh, i'll just write it off to where where you write things off but you have to write it off from somewhere where i don't know the tax write-off place like yeah <laughs> Every time I'm cooking, because I do a lot of cooking with cheese, all I hear is the like, fold in the cheese. Just fold it in. What do you mean, fold it? <laughs> it says, fold it in, David. And that like oh, tension God. in his face, like I'm still not processing and everything is at stake God. here. <laughs> and just, just Alexis the whole time, like anytime David does something stupid, ew, gross, David. Like <laughs> I love that for you. Mm. <laughs> Wait, maybe she should be Counselor Troy. She should be Counselor. Yeah. <laughs> mm, I'm sensing um, this isn't working. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, That's man. the crossover we need. 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> Star yeah, exactly. Trek Shit's Creek crossover. Yeah, there it is. There's the next one. Apparently, Lower Decks isn't happening anytime soon. I don't know if that was brilliant or stupid for them to announce that it was going to happen and then not tell us what episode it's going to so be it's, in. Because I, I'm... it's it's number. I, I believe it's episode nine. What? I think it's the subspace rhapsody. Um, is what I at least I heard. I saw something posted that said that was the title of it, and obviously the titles are all already like listed and whatnot. Um, but I think it's later uh, out of the okay. season total that it happens in. I And I wanted to just say like that everything you were saying about just like your feelings and expectations with the sh- episode order. Um, I just also think you're a thousand percent valid. Like, like I'm, I'm on the other side of it from where you're at where, because I saw something early on that said it wasn't happening till later in the season. I knew it was going to be later, but like I said, I think that's a part of where like, it's just like the anticipation for me. I'm still like coaxing on. Whereas like if I thought that was going to be the episode, no, I would have been totally like, oh, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's like you think that your parents got you something for Christmas. Specific. You're like, they got me this thing that I wanted. And then you open it up and it's a fucking sweater. And you're like, I mean, it's a nice sweater, but I wanted a Sega Genesis. What the yeah, fuck is this? It's a nice sweater. It's He's really so nice and I really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of kids and getting kids into star trek paramount has done a very stupid thing and they have canceled prodigy which by the way has had some of the best writing i've ever seen in star trek we have talked often on this podcast about how hard it can be to get the younger generation involved in star trek just because the writers have a habit of going back and pulling information from all of this other stuff, all this other lore. So if you aren't familiar with it, like you're a little lost and that does nothing to bring in new people and we're a cult and we need new people. So (laughs) Prodigy, they did a, they did a great job of presenting all of it in a way where you had all of these characters that are outside of the Federation and they happen upon Federation tech. And so they're learning all about it along with all of our potential new fans. And so for Paramount to cut it um, is to cut off a really great way of growing this fan base. However, I have seen some of the traffic. It looks like they're just shopping it. They're going to shop it to another um network which is going to be really interesting because for the longest time paramount has had the rights to all of this in fact i remember king's dominion in ashland virginia um when it when paramount bought it they had all of these star trek characters roaming around so like it's always been not always yeah yeah um i don't want to talk about it because i was a terrible person and grilled those anyway so um (laughs) (laughs) so Paramount is really, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this means for the future of Paramount and its relationship to Star Trek, but I'm really hoping that another network is going to see the value in this and pick it up. There's so, still supposed to be the the movies coming out. So there's still like this this track record that, you know, Paramount CBS is working on on Star Trek things. And and yeah, since they obviously, you know, they were talking about how they, they, they're already in post-production on season two of Prodigy, that they're very hopeful it, it will get picked up. There was also that fantastic element of how Prodigy was airing on Nickelodeon. It was yeah. airing on Nickelodeon. And that it was just, that was a part of where I kind of wrote it off a little at first and thought like, oh, Same. this is such a kid show, you know? And then, I mean, we all realized it once we started watching it, that it was like, this is incredible 
incredible storytelling from another really great POV that that just it, it just expand the universe so much. And then finding these ways to still like bring Janeway and Chakotay back. And it was like, oh man, it was it was kind of mind blowing. Um, and the stakes in some of those episodes, the one where they're all temporally displaced and it comes down to the one smart cat like oh my like i i remember the tears i felt when it's just like she's had to live a hundred lifetimes to figure out this tech but she did it and then brought everyone back like i was i couldn't believe how high the emotional stakes got in in that episode and that was the full hook of like this this series is a must see for anyone who wants to have any idea of what Star Trek can even be about? Um, I can't believe this move happened. I can't believe it. Rock talk it's... and just the the juxtaposition of that tiny little voice with that giant strong character yeah. and and her abilities in that episode to choose her direction. It was just God for anyone who any kid who has been pigeonholed into something because of their appearance. Like how uplifting! Oh my gosh, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Back to mock me, girl. So many years you watched them take us. How they treated us. Why didn't you stop them? My father told me. I thought you were criminals. We're not criminals. The only crime we ever committed was getting caught. Shame on you, Paramount. Shame on you. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this. Um, Paramount, very much like Warner Brothers, is an old school um, production company. Um, studio is what I was the word I was looking for. And they do strange things, strange old school things. So I'll give you an example. Paramount Plus was hailed as the home of all Star Trek when they, when they first started it, right? Like, this is what it's going to be. All of the Star Trek here. Uh, for chunks at a time, all of the movies disappear from Paramount Plus. Um, and the reason why is because they go to HBO. They were going to HBO Max. So what happens is, is they, they have these contractual deals where the stuff just disappears for certain periods of time because they're sending it off to another another company. But, but they're making money off of it. So it's kind of messed up a little bit, but it's not the worst thing in the world. And like... The, the Prodigy thing is disappointing just because this was a, a series that, like, one, it, it embodied hope. It embodied what the Federation is supposed to be. And, like, it was this beautiful thing. And like you said, you know, some of us cult members are getting old. We need some young people to replace us. Um, yeah, like, if if you want your thing to continue on, you have to, like, you have to engage the younger crowd. This Prodigy thing just doesn't make sense. Guys, guys! I found someone else to come with us! Whoa, Rock! I thought we made it clear this was a secret operation. You invited that thing? What is that bag of spit? Is it a that? I named him Murph. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. He's such a chatterbox, aren't you, Murph? He's probably too smart for our translators. If you had to pet sit and the choice was between SETI eels 
or a Torg, which would you choose? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the face you're making, PJ, is fantastic. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right, so think about it. Like a Torg. I know it does, doesn't it? That's the point. So That's the it. Torg is like a giant pig with like spikes. And yeah. if it becomes naughty, you just kill it and roast it and say, sorry, it got away to the pet owner. But the SETI eels, while they're contained, if they get out, you're like, you've got brain trauma. So which yeah, one? you're screwed. Targs, targs all day. Targs, nope, nope, nope. Not doing the SETI eels. Nope, yeah, that freaks me out. That just the, makes sense. Uh, just does. something, oh, God, something climbing in your ear and like wrapping it around your cerebral cortex and making you more susceptible to a suggestion. No, fuck you, Khan. I'm not doing it. I'm not watching your pets. <laughs> Targ. It, 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 it's not going to be easy, but it, it it it's less likely to kill me. I think I would choose the eels and just duct tape the cage, <laughs> <laughs> and then go watch a movie. No, that, then it's going to get out. I say that's gonna, that duct tape's going to give you a false sense of confidence. <laughs> uh, uh, well, your luck, the, a tribble's going to come along and let the eel out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of those one of those attack tribbles with the <laughs> teeth and the fangs and all that other stuff yeah yeah no i feel like a targ could be cute you know like you pet him on his head you know like if you could have laon's kirk in your living room today or the current unknown kirk in your living room today which would you choose laon's kirk i guess i would take laon's kirk um I mean, I'm already a huge fan of Paul Wesley, so so that's part of my problem. Um, I'm blinded by those looks, and and he proved to be quite just charismatic, compassionate, actually as well, and then just like perfectly classically dopey by not being from Earth. Um, I mean, that's that's yeah, I'd I'd be down for that. <laughs> it was dopey. It was beautiful. That's it, it was. It was just like. I'm I'm not mad at this at all. <laughs> I was like, I'm from space. I was like, that's not really an excuse, but you're precious. Okay. I'm going to go with current timeline. Timeline, And the reason why is because the Laon's Kirk, like everything was all fucked up and he like grew up on like a asteroid or like on the USS Iowa instead of actually growing up in Iowa. So like all the things that we think we know about Kirk would not be true because it's all weird. And like, you know, he's still charming and he didn't know how to use a revolving door, which was funny, but like, yeah, I'm gonna go with current timeline Kirk for the most part. I'm really hoping that like she breaks the temporal prime directive and she's just like, I love you and I love you because of this reason. And he's just like, that's cool. Yeah, let's hang out. You know, like I, I, I know it's not gonna happen, but like it would just be satisfying to see Laan be happy. I have yeah, um... but she cries so well. <laughs> well, he'll break her heart. He's Kirk. I mean, he, he, he will it's do inevitable. something, he will do something to fuck it up. In the real world, Mike Lensford is editor-in-chief, podcaster, graphic artist, and writer at Great Geek Refuge. He's also hard at work in raising the next generation of nerds and faithfully posts his meals on Insta. And by the way, fans, we have bumper stickers that Mike has created that are Star Trek themed. So you got to check it out. GreatGeekRefuge.com. Is it on there? They will be now. I like that you've you've put that out there because now I have to do it. So yeah, they, they will be. <laughs> he will All make right. it so. Yeah, make it I, so. I see what you did there. <laughs> uh, 
William B.J. Robinson is a queer Black and Puerto Rican arts educator based in San Diego, as well as an actor, composer, and church choir director. He does it all. B.J. is also creator and host of Tough Talk, a platform that focuses on getting comfy with the uncomfy through community conversations. So important right now. He is a founding noisemaker of Loud Fridge Theater Group, and he is host of KPBS Arts, a local PBS TV show about arts and culture across the U.S. He is, in fact, an international playwright and performer. He performed the Panda Musical Diaries at the New Zealand Fringe Festival, and they've even asked him back. That's how cool he is. For more info, just search at WillBJRob at tough.talk2020 and or at Loud Fridge Theater Group on Facebook, Insta, TikTok, and YouTube. As for myself, playwright Mariah Beachboard is a podcaster for GGR. She raises a geeky family and keeps it real in Rocket City, Alabama, and just got to judge the Rocket City Playwright series this year. Very exciting. To you, dear listeners, stay tuned for our next episodes. Check out our Insta for exclusive content at Federation Conversations. You can also email us lovemail, hatemail, junkmail at federationconversations at gmail.com. Also drop by greatgeekrefuge.com to discover all the amazing happenings. We also have a very active Facebook group you can join called the Great Geek Refuge Group. And last of all, my friend, from the very depths of our souls, we pray you feel truly seen by those you love. Thank you so much for listening.